you know, guys, holiday season's coming up, and I know we're all adults and we can buy ourselves games, but Sarah's still a child, and we need to get her something for the holidays. Guys, what should we get her? What would Santa get her? Does she really still believe this? Definitely Cats of Cthulhu. That's a good one. That's a good one. Running for young players. Yeah, you've got you've got some kids. They're interested in tabletop RPGs. How do you provide? Well, so I guess to start off with, how young do you think is like young enough to start kids on RPGs? It's a great question. I've seen RPGs designed for children as young as three. I don't know how wow. actually effective they would be with a three-year-old, but that's what it says on the book. So that really depends on the child, I would think, at that age. Yeah. And also how you are pitching it to a child. I've seen a couple of things that are really interesting um, I have nephews that I've been slowly teaching the basics of like rolling dice and understanding the resolution mechanics. Uh, obviously, I would never phrase it like that to such a, child a rainy six, move. <laughs> yeah, six or so. But basically, I hand them a bunch of D6 and I have them roll it and I go, okay, how many of those are fours, fives or sixes? Put those in a pile. You know what I mean? Um, those are the good dice. <laughs> yeah, those are the those ones are that numbers. you want to see, right? So, and I've... When you I've actually seen uh, somebody on Reddit speaking about like designing RPGs specifically for young kids. Uh, somebody on Reddit is was a father. I'll have to find the post. I'll try and link it in the uh, description of our podcast here. But he made a Paw Patrol RPG. <gasps> Basically, uh, he had uh, colored D6 for each of the dogs. So like red for Marshall, pink for Sky, yellow for Rubble. That's the extent of my Paw Patrol knowledge, but... Oh, it will grow, Thank you. It will grow. Yes, uh, I have a little one that will be playing RPGs by three, but... (laughs) But but basically what he did was he put colored D6s in each of those things, and basically the child played Ryder, who a problem would arise in Adventure City, I think that's what it's called, and he would tell his kid, you can take two of these pups and grab their dice... And we're going to go solve the problem. And he would have him roll for it. It was really, really cool. That's amazing. A very clever way to do it. Um, So I do think that there is no too young as long as they know their numbers. Um, I'm designing a game for young players because I have a son who I want to play games. And the premise is basically that. It is a D6 pool system where anything four or above is a success. It's a very easy thing to do. And kids generous. Four or above. Rolling dice. Yeah, but it's for kids. I mean, yeah. they're, they're kids, you know. I think that's a really good point. So I will say that I, I started with my son when he was seven. And uh, I think one of the things is, like, you have to, it depends on the kid. You have to pick something they're interested in is, is the biggest thing. Uh, and you've all heard me speak about mutants and masterminds, but we started with mutants and masterminds, which probably in all honesty is not the best system because it's really kind of crunchy. Uh, but I handled a lot of that for him because I like sort of crunchy systems sometimes. Uh, and it just kind of clicked with me because it was pretty easy. It was based upon, you know, 3.5 Dungeons and Dragons. And I just, you know, I said, hey, he wanted to make like a flash guy. So he made a speedster and I just let him roll the dice and, hey, tell me what you made. And then we added a modifier. And then as time went on, we played 
for about three or four, about four years. Um, still occasionally we do uh, when he's not playing a video game, but um, now he does his own. Now he, he adds his own, you know, and he understands the mechanics more. He, he grew with it, you know, and, and, uh, and he grew to understand the mechanics and he also grew to use them to run little adventures for me. Which that's is awesome. Really oh, that's awesome. so really, that's cute. Yeah. It's like really, really awesome. Yeah. But, uh, but you have to pick something that he's interested in. So he was really interested in superheroes. So that was just like an easy thing to go with. You know, if a kid's interested in animals, uh, there's an easy thing. To yeah, play my right. game when it comes out. Rainy's <laughs> making a game, uh, but that, that works for Alex too. He loves penguins. And we, we played in a game that Rainy ran recently, which is a Dungeon World game where Alex played a penguin ranger with a human. <laughs> it was head. amazing. Oh. We switched it up. It was very funny. Yeah, yeah we switched it up. And uh, Big Tom. Big Tom. A human companion. Big Tom. Yeah, Tom. <laughs> So to your question, though, Jess, I do think that um, there isn't necessarily a too young, but I do think that you almost have to consider what you're planning to run, both mechanically and thematically based on age ranges. Mm -hmm. And I'd say that like anything six or below, you're running a 10 to 15 minute very quick yeah. like yeah. and we're done I'm, I'm, wow you know okay. like six to ten yeah. you're probably looking at 30 to 45 mm-hmm. minute like it's an episode of a tv show hour hour to hour and a half if they're really yeah invested. and then uh, and that's the thing you have to yeah and then 10 yeah. to teenager ish i'd say that they're probably ready for like an hour and a half to two hours and they're probably ready for a little more math but yeah you almost have to you know consider what they can handle mathematically in a way that isn't going to just bog everything down and make it not fun for them. I will also say this, keep it really simple. Yes. Like he loves character arcs and, you know, <laughs> complex, you know, decisions that our characters have to make and things like that. Kids don't get that. They just want a bad guy to punch or, or a resolution. So just make, you know, if you're playing for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour, make sure there's a beginning, middle and end and make sure there's a resolution at the end of that so they have something that hey we did something and then they want to come back you know it's not like don't end on a down note end on a victory for them and and i think you know that'll keep them interested and especially um i think younger kids too really appreciate um having less restrictive um options for resolving problems too because you should really be encouraging them to be creative about problem solution like Mm-hmm. They're gonna make things up. They're they're gonna be like, I have this thing, and they're gonna describe this bizarre thing. And uh, any system that will accommodate that is really is really good for especially on the younger side, um, under ten. So I imagine kids are probably better at that too. Well, yeah. See, the th- the thing about playing with kids is they're gonna with adults who are getting into the hobby or people even like teenagers, they almost have to relearn how to play and imagine things. You know, because it's a skill yeah. that you, it's a skill that you lose unless you use it. And we kid, kids play and imagine things all the time. So they get the concept of a role-playing game right away. What you're trying to get them to understand is, is like, okay, we're, we're going to imagine and we're going to play this thing, but we're going to put a framework around it that are the rules. Right. That's a good question. So when you're playing with kids, right, how – because, like, part of being a DM is kind of going with the flow and, like, the rule of yes and stuff like yep. that. But when you're playing with kids who can come up with ridiculous things, mm-hmm. right – how how well do you balance like, yay creativity and out of the box thinking, but like whoa, this is just not gonna work. So <laughs> that actually segues really well into what I was just gonna pitch for next, which is general tips for kids in general, like running for kids. And one of mine is avoid saying no, mm-hmm. like just yes mm-hmm. and them. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, even if they say something that pushes that boundary, like you're saying, Jess, um, where you're like, okay, we don't want you to be this 
unnecessarily violent because, you know, you framed the game that they're playing as like a heroic beat up the bad guy thing. You can say yes and, but you can also then use that to introduce, okay, well now you're scaring like all of these people that you're supposed to be nice to, you know what I mean? Like, and they don't want to do this. You know what I mean? Like you can say yes and also use that to reinforce good behaviors. Yeah, um, or just use use it to exploit. You know, I, I ran. I used to choices. Be, uh, yeah, with, yeah, with with the with the superhero game where it was just like you know, oh, I'm going to beat the crap out of this guy, and, or you know, whatever, because I can, and I have to use it as you know, because also kids kids are natural born murderers, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they want it. They will want to do that, you know. So you have to. So you have to. I would just use it on my son and say, "Okay, well, let's let's kind of explore that. If you did that, what do you think would happen? Let's think about the consequences of her action." And I, you know, I never set this up to be like teaching moments with my kid and teaching morality or you know exploring like other people's feelings or consequences of actions. But it's sort of those moments just happened while we were doing it. Yep. Where we were just like, "Hey, well, if you do that, you know, if you like steal this guy's pizza, that was that was one thing that." came up like what do you think is going to happen right he's a pizza delivery guy he's going to be sad he's not going to make money his boss might get mad at him he might lose his job let's go down the whole man you taught your kid economics through oh wow well you know it's me so i had to do that get around kids we're going to learn about late stage he's not going to get to invest money this week in his 401k and then now he's not going to be able to retire because you stole this pizza but but no but the point is that it it created these opportunities to sit and say hey you know Hmm. What do you think would happen if you did do that? And then you go down that road and you say, okay, well, do you think your character still wants to do that? Sometimes they say yes. And you're like, okay, well, you know, hey, you had an off day. You made an enemy. But <laughs> that's another an thing too. Like, you know you what I mean? Like, con- you have consequences to those actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes they're like, okay, yeah, I, I see that. I don't want to be a bad guy. Right? And yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> <laughs> RPGs are good for you, guys. <laughs> Totally good. Yeah, speaking of which, I actually uh, mentioned a few of my friends who follow the podcast. Uh, I've reached out to to talk to them because I know that they are parents of younger players. And I said, hey, have you tried to play any games with your kids? And I got a couple. I just want to share a couple fun stories that kind of relate to this um, that I received from a few of my friends that I think is really great. One, going back to um, Jess, your comment about what about these kids? Like their imagination is going to run wild. And my friend Zach recently ran his first game for his kids and his wife. And they ran a game that we'll talk about later called Amazing Tales, which is a game designed for younger players. And basically he was surprised because he'd never really run games all that much. He's still relatively inexperienced. So he probably overprepped. But what he found that was so refreshing was that once his kids and his wife got it, he realized everyone knows how to tell a story. You kind of get into the groove and say like, oh, like, oh, if this is going to happen. Well, then we should try and make this thing happen. And like, you can, like we've said before, there's nothing better as a GM than watching your players play the game and you don't have to say anything. You know, you don't have to prompt them for every little thing. And kids will do that. Kids will just go. And like, that's when it's the perfect opportunity as a GM to just go like, all I need to do is focus on when to say, oh, that's going to be a die roll. You know what I mean? Um, and then it introduces them understanding the rules, the framework, like you said, Christian, around their just play free in their imagination land. And another great story I got is from a friend of mine, Ian, who runs D&D and uh, he's, you know, been doing it for a very long time. 
and is very nerdy like us. And he has a daughter who is a bit older. I want to say she's probably almost 10 now. Um, but they've been playing and basically he said he uses it almost like bedtime stories. Instead of reading her books, they like play through like, uh, her character. Like they just do it. And he uses it to teach, teach her lessons. They use things that are going on in their lives and he incorporates it into a quick little encounter or role play thing or something like that with her. And I love this. This is a story he told me one day, apparently she got really nasty because she was very hungry and was not in a good mood, so she got a little snappy. So that night, they played a little encounter where a hungry cyclops came into a town of humans and destroyed a bunch of things and demanded food. And when the human said, you could have just asked, we would have given it to you, she kind of got the message that, you know, she didn't need to be as mean as she was. And it was just a very funny way to, like, say, hey, we can, you know reflect on the things that are going on with us through rpgs and i thought that was very clever i was like man i hope i have that cool of a teaching moment in my future with my kid i love this hangry young role player it's amazing i'm like same child same who didn't instant i like instantaneously i related to that like who does oh 100 my wife my wife loves to be like "Uh uh-oh rainy's gonna be hangry in 20 minutes we need to go somewhere fast (laughs) right now I guess my other question is, depending on the age group, do you have suggestions on how many kids you should limit if you're running for like a group of kids or running for one child? Do you run for just because like a lot of this has been kind of like one on one, you know, talking about running with kids. I think personally, like under 10, you pretty much best bet is to run with one. I, I couldn't I could not imagine hurting the cats that are like four or five, you know, six or seven-year-olds trying to play D&D. Kids will overwhelm you, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, I I would agree with that. For very, very young children, like one or two, if you have maybe, if you have more than one child, two, possibly. Um, But at least start them at that until they kind of understand what the game is, what a game is. And then when they get comfortable with that and start to master certain skills, maybe invite a friend over. (laughs) Yeah, they need to uh, they need to master the concept of taking turns to do things. That's that's yes. the problem they're gonna have an issue with, right? Uh, we just started a couple. I ran a couple of sessions of D and D. We did Lost Minds of Fandal, but with my son. So good. With, oh, nice. his, with his son and his cousin, because I, I got his cousin into it now. And the other thing I found now is how so they're like that like beginning of tween age now, like eleven and twelve, uh, and they love miniatures. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Because it's like, you know, you're like you're too old to play with toys, but you still think they're cool, but you don't want to be like a little kid. Oh like, no, these are miniature. these are toys that adults love. Right. These these are these aren't toys, these are mini. These are addictions. Like, so great. Yeah. And it's like, you know, boom, man. Oh, now I got you. I got you hooked because we can still play with toys. They're just miniatures. I have found that yeah. too. The uh the the youngins at the library that we run D&D for sometimes they love miniatures too. They, their eyes light up and they, they look at them. They want to play, they'll pick out a miniature a lot of times. So they like, I want to play this guy. Like, I'm like, okay, what's yeah. the story? Like, like what, look at him. What is, what's up with him? What do you think he, what do you think he does? <laughs> Visual aids like that help a lot with yeah. kids, just yeah. getting everything going, like their imagination. Mm-hmm. Do you guys, um, and we don't, maybe we don't need to out ourselves, but 
do you guys rem- were you guys really young when you first started RPGs and do you remember what your favorite thing was? Like what enticed you when you were playing RPGs when you were really young? Well, Sarah's not here to tell us about what it was like when she well, was two, but I like maybe in the group. Ago, that she, yeah. she had... No, I was in college when I started RPGs, so Really? Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so I I actually I I mean, I didn't really pick it up until later, but when I first encountered EPG, RPGs, I was probably like 12, 13. Yep, I was like yeah. 12. Yeah, because we we started middle school, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we had like a there was like a Dungeons and Dragons club at our school, and I was like, that, that game right, I'm and go, that club go to was this. absurd. There were like thirteen kids who would show up for it, and like the yeah. art teacher trying. Yeah. <laughs> and I I remember I remember nothing about it, but the thing I remember loving the most were the riddles. Yeah, like that's, that's what I loved as a that's young cool. kid. The riddles were so cool. And they were like simple riddles too that you yeah. could just probably like Google online. But like I was like, wow, <laughs> this is the coolest thing ever. That's actually a really good point because that's something that I still love doing to my players. Sometimes I'll just, especially if we're still playing in person, which I haven't been lately because of the global pandemic we're living through. But regardless, um, I love printing out some things and making ciphers or making like... Um, like little cutout things that people have to piece together and like making little puzzles. It's just fun as a GM to give players tactile things to solve. And Mm -hmm. that's actually really great for kids, especially if you can incorporate things that are maybe, you know, on their radar to be learned at their educational level anyway. It's like a really cool way to... Squares and circles. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) One of the RPGs I'm getting for my my little nephews, they're uh, five and four, almost four. Um is a uh, little monster detectives and it comes with a bunch of like stickers and props and stuff that you use. They're going to like, oh, that's it's awesome. It's super cool. Like I'm like, I want that's stickers. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was uh, 12 or 13. I think it was eighth grade where, where I first began. I'm so jealous of you guys. It was, it was, no, I mean, I, I I'll tell you it how for old, a long time. It was, it was advertisements and comic books. Wow, they got you. That was back in the day. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? This looks so cool. And then, uh, you know, I had, I found friends who who played it and then I just, you know, like haunted them until they let me play. And um, it was really the, the idea that you could do or be anybody. Mm -hmm. It was the immersion for me, really, Mm. more than anything. I mean, I love fantasy, Fantasy. but honestly, if it was like, you know, if it was like science fiction and I probably would have just been as easily sucked in, but you know, uh, it was, it was the immersion of it. Like, Hey, you're going to go and you're going to play this other life, you know, and, and be like immersed in this character. And, uh, it was a lot of, that was, that was what it was for me. And, and it was kind of like the theater kids that I played with, you know? Mm. So, uh, it was a big deal. I saw. <laughs> so like act those characters, you know, and it's interesting because a lot of other people don't do that. They just kind of like pilot the character, you know, there's all sorts of different ways or like, you know, ways of role playing. That doesn't mean that one's better than the other. But I think you, you know, if you're lucky, you find a group that you click with. I think I was lucky when I was young that I found them. You know, I saw an illustration of the druid in the 3.5 player's handbook, and she had like the wolf binder, and that I was like, I I love wolves, guys. I still love wolves. I like really loved wolves when I was younger. Um, and I was just like sold on this. I was like, you mean I can play her? I can have a wolf? Like I can badass and also like the boy i liked was in the dungeons and dragons club so <laughs> but like the it. druid more than the boy <laughs> yeah that's actually the second time we've brought up iconics in a modified roles episode like that is a very important thing too like we talked about mm-hmm. the miniatures we talked about 
um, giving those visual aids to kids to kind of jumpstart their imagination, their creativity. And yeah, I think that a big part of getting kids into role-playing games is showing them the incredible art that is pretty much uniform across role-playing games. Um, and it just depends on what style you like and whatnot. But basically, you can open a book. I remember my nephew was like three or four, and I got a new monster manual or something like that uh, for one Christmas. And he came over to me and was just like, Uncle Rainey, what is this? What is this book? Oh, my God. And we were flipping through pages, and he was just like, that's awesome. And I was like, yep, it is. And, you know, if I'd thought about it, I'd been like, here, now roll this math rock. You know what I mean? <laughs> math rock. Roll this math rock. Now roll this math rock to see which one would win. <laughs> Speaking of math rocks, actually, that's one of my other general tips, is that, like, um, when you're considering what games to run for kids, kids love rolling dice. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, um, so I'd almost argue avoid D20 systems. One, because harder numbers and modifiers, and it usually comes with a lot more to it. And go for those dice pools. Like, let a kid grab five D6 and just chuck them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. fistful, a wee little fistful overflowing with dice. <laughs> yeah, uh, little kids will love that. You know what I mean? And that's why the, the way I'm designing my game is that I know my nephews come over and they raid my wife's dice terrarium <laughs> and they just grab as many of them that look the same as they can and they organize them. And if you just give them, okay, cool, organize all those. Now you're going to roll that pile. You know what I mean? Um, it's just a way to just keep them very, very excited about it, you know? I would, I'll add one more thing. Fudge rolls more than you ever would. Uh, else. Oh, yeah. oh contention. Yes, for little kids, absolutely. I just think that failure is fine. Wanna, just don't make it no, severe. Them, but they, but it depends on the kid. Mm, and sometimes true. they're like, I don't want to get beat up. Yeah, but instead and of instead I'm of just, saying, I'm using this from experience, like I don't want to get beat up. Yeah, but Spider Man gets beaten up all the time. Yeah, but I don't want to be the one who gets beat up. Like that's just it's just what happens, right? So sometimes, yeah, I don't know. I feel like you have to discourage that. That's that's the like, that's the young Gary or Mary Sue, Gary Sue getting <laughs> getting getting their getting grounded so, there. So that was, and, and and I will say, I will own that. Probably we started what we started with probably wasn't the right system that we started. True. With. Uh, and it took, you know, within a year or so that was over. But, uh, you know, think about that as a parent, if you're doing that with kids, have a system that's easy on failure. You know, Blades in the Dark system, I would not Powered say. Powered by the apocalypse, systems where it's like you can fail forward or, or stuff like but that. But the right? system, yeah, where where failure doesn't necessarily mean failure, it can mean complication. Pick which things makes like things that. Interesting. Or if you're not, and you're using a D20 system, be prepared to fudge roll. Yeah, or, I mean, I was going to say, even then, it doesn't always have to be as bad as it could be. I mean, I know if you're playing D&D &D and you're making an attack roll for the monster, and say you crit, you know, and you go, oh, well, yeah. I don't want to do, it's a bugbear, and they get a bonus die anyway, and it's going to get ridiculous. You could just say, they grapple you. And they're mm, holding, you know what I mean? The mercy like, you grapple. Could, we all know this. You know well. what I mean? <laughs> We're like, you should just kill this guy, but you grab him instead. <laughs> mercy but grapple. but again, it's it's not completely negating the consequence. You know what I mean? Like it's not right. fudging the roll and going, he missed. It's still making it tense and going, uh oh, you're in trouble now. But it's not as bad. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's ways yeah. to um, be prepared to mitigate things. There it is. Mm. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. I got one more piece of advice, unless anybody else has something. Uh -huh. And my piece of advice is keep your sessions short. Um, mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> you know, I would argue, I would argue that for kids, 
for two reasons. One, their imagination is going to do the work, so don't bother prepping much. Have a very broad stroke concept. There's a hag. She has a hut in the woods. You're done. You know what I mean? Like, um, Still a dog. She has to have done something. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And, and the reason that you know that there's a hag in the woods is because, oh, your wizard friend's uh, Cat Dog disappeared. Cat went missing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there it is. Go find the cat. Oh, it went out in the woods. Why is it in the woods? Oh, because a hag is you know luring animals to her den. Kind of like a like a hag stealing fish souls, Rainy. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Kind of, kind of like a hag stealing fish souls from my Dungeon World game. That's right. That yeah, that's really good advice. Short. Yeah, keep it short because kids' attention spans are not long. So very concise, very A to B to C done, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. I would also say um, I have more experience running with teens than I do with younger, younger kids. But um, even with teens, uh, after an hour and a half, they're getting antsy unless they're like, unless they're like us, like they were born nerds and they're just like consuming D&D like all the time. This is the only thing they want to do. If they're more of a general audience, um, after an hour and a half, they're getting, they're getting really antsy. Um so toward that, like, what can you do in an hour and a half session that has some form of resolution? Uh, start in media res. Don't, like, a big mistake I've, I have made with teens and learned to not make is, is letting them, like, gather information about the quest and find the quest. That's usually the kiss of death there. They're, if you're, they're in town, somebody's got a problem, but there's a whole town here. Guess what they're not doing? The main quest line. <laughs> like, yep. they are never, I don't know what to tell you, they are never leaving that Born murder town. Hobbies. They are burning yep. the tavern down instead. <laughs> um, they are stealing the potted plants off of the herbalist's window. So, like, they're, yeah. yeah. So, um, start them, like, you're in the sewer looking for the crocodile. Like, you're you're already there. You're, you're partway there. You're approaching the first serious complication. Or even the main the main point quest. Um, and that's something that's mm-hmm. that's accomplishable in an hour, hour and a half. Like you're in the sewer looking for the crocodile, you hear the ticking and you're gonna play out that encounter. Ooh, a um, little, uh, was that a little Peter Pan reference there? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So, crocodile it. ticking. Um, I would, what do you think about, and so this is just a question then, because I think I, I learned a little bit when I was running with my kids, like, read the room and kind of know when he was getting antsy, know when he was done, but also know like if he was just starting and he was getting bored, I would just be like, okay, roll some dice, something happens. And I would just throw something in and throw in a, you know, a fight or a chase or whatever. Yeah. You know, you got to save someone. Let's do that. Just like, just throwing that random stuff in, you know, that's like not quite random encounters, but just encounters that you have ready that you can just. Yeah. Keeping the plot moving because. Keeping keeping it moving, but also keeping, keeping like, a high engaged what do you think about yeah keeping engagement right? yeah not not all um teens and young people are going to be super interested like we said in the kind of deeper aspects of character development and arc like they're not going to have as many not all quiet us. scenes that are like loud emotionally <laughs> so keeping them on, on their toes i think is really good just always have something interesting happening for them to interact with so they can do something about where they're not just um observers either i'm gonna use a dirty word here and say railroad them yep railroad them oh, hard you, you oh you absolutely have to yeah. Yeah. yeah oh yeah um just because even when they start getting off track because kids are going to do that they're going to get distracted teens like we were talking about they're definitely going to get distracted just goofing on one another um just always be prepared to know what's around the corner and bring it to them instead of making them go get it you know what i mean like 
shrink the dungeon if you have to. If you wrote a five-room dungeon, like the classic five-room dungeon design kind of thing, and they're on room three and you got 20 minutes left, uh, guess what? Uh, the next room is room five. <laughs> <laughs> next room is room five or kool-aid man through the wall for all i fucking care you know what i mean like here comes some shit uh just make it happen you know um yeah and it's important to have a kind of a firmer hand too with um making sure just to make sure that everybody gets time um it, yes. this happens in adult tables too but like sometimes you have players who are quiet who are shy who are less involved who are getting spoken over um and i think Yep. that sort of effect is just more pronounced with teen with teen or young player groups mm-hmm. because they're even less able to be aware of what they're doing to their peers than adults are. So it's up to you to be like, okay, like, what are you doing over here? Like, we'll come back to that. What are you doing? Make sure everybody gets a chance to um, play the game and uh, contribute something that they, that they find interesting or important to the game. Should we make our recommendations for games to play with younger players at this point yeah let's go for it yeah do it all right who's so that i already mentioned one little monster detectives that's a game that i picked up at gen con this year it is super adorable there's all kinds of little stickers and stuff and the premise is like it's a really tight premise which i think is also a good thing for young players you are detectives at an agency that go and investigate the monsters that live in people's closets and under their beds and try to find out what is making the monster angry and resolve that problem. So they stop scaring people. Oh my God. It's like a monsters ink. Yeah. And there's like a little bestiary in it with all the different types of monster and like the things that they like and where they like to hide and the little habits that they have, like they like to steal shoes or something. So you go and you try to figure out what monster it is. And then you based on that monsters, like habits and behavior, you try to solve the problem. And it's got like, adorable bits of equipment your little flashlight and stuff and it's got all these stickers and it's just a super cute game um and the art is like really really cool like the art style is it's like cute and and like weird it's i i really like it a lot i'm getting it for my nephews uh for christmas this year so that's a good one. Oh, that sounds great I have a couple, so I will go with my first one here, which is uh, something I mentioned earlier. My friend Zach recently ran it for his family, and that is Amazing Tales. Amazing Tales is a uh, game designed for younger players, and it is very simple, very straightforward. You can get going very quickly. Basically, you create characters who have um, four, basically you could say whatever you want, four skills. Their awesomest skill is a D12. Their (laughs) next most awesome skill is a D10. They have a D8 and a D6. So they have the four things that they're good at. And then you just start going. Um, If one of their actions lines up with one of those skills and you can be very broad with it, their advice is um, to be broad with the use of skills. Um, Follow the kid's imagination. You ask a lot of questions and use their kid's answers. And as we spoke about before, one of their tips is avoid saying no. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, try to say, uh, try to avoid saying things like that won't work or that's not possible. You're literally playing an amazing tale. You know what I mean? So uh, find a way to make it work or, again, reinforce better uh, habits or what you want to see out of your kid. Um, So, yeah, amazing tales. Very straightforward, very easy. And if you get the PDF, it comes with, like, a bunch of just adventure prompts, which is very nice. That if you want to just pick it up and go with a kid, um, it's very easy. Cats of Cthulhu is also, um, like I mentioned that at the beginning, Cats oh, of Cthulhu yeah. is really cute. That can be, um, 
that I have fun playing that game too. So that's kind of a game that can fit many sizes, just depending on how you run it. The system itself is very easy. Just use a couple of D6s, two D6s, um, and you get to be as cutesy and cat pun and just playing a cat as you want, or as much cosmic horror as you want. That's completely up to the GM running it. So you can easily make you that. You can also play a dog. Or harder for more get mature here. players. <laughs> And it's hilarious to just play cats. Can you play a dog in Cats of Cat There's an expansion when you can play a dog. How it's, dare it's they? In the, it's in the Nico Amicon. <laughs> That's great. That's it great. is. Uh, I have Hero Kids. Yep. I've, that was my uh, other one. I have that one. The which, is, which, is one yeah, which is one in any, uh, which is, again, very, very simple game. It's a, just, it just uses D6s. Uh, and I think it's an opposed role system. Uh, and I have it up on Drive Through RPG right now. It says playtime 30 to 60 minutes and, uh, you know, very simple D6 mechanics. So everything we talked about, attention span, simple dice mechanics, something worth checking out. It is a little more tactical than things like yeah, Amazing it, Tales. So like if your kid is getting a little older and is ready for that, Hero yep. Kids is a very good fantasy game for younger players. I would say too, I've also, in addition to playing the Instant Masterminds, we, tried, we used Fate Accelerated for a little bit. Mm-hmm. that's a good one ninja turtle sort of game with my son and and that worked out really really well uh because he picked up on the on the fate dice like it's very simple to understand the fate dice and, and fate accelerated is pretty simple to make a character any character sort of character you want especially if you as an adult understand the system pretty well so if you're maybe you're not the parent but you're an aunt and uncle and, and you have to watch the kids and you want to play a game with them you don't want to necessarily buy a game for kids specifically mm-hmm. Something like Fade or Fade Accelerated would be pretty easy because it could be something you already have. You could just take off the shelf and use. Magpie also has a pillion where you play uh, little dragon princes and princesses. Um, that game is intended for younger players as well. Uh, I have not played that one myself, but I have heard good things about it. And I do love most of the things Magpie has put out. So We do. We do as we a do. group. We Big love Magpie. <laughs> Um, also, I would say too, especially if you're playing with like maybe tweens to teens, uh, Dungeon World is a lot more accessible um, than Dungeons and Dragons at first. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, even 5e, is significantly crunchier than Dungeon World, but you still get all of that D&D feel from it. So, um, and Dungeon World also has a lot of, um, it encourages uh, being collaborative and creative with the players. The players kind of get to have as much influence on the story as the DM too. So there's plenty of room for them to be the wacky creative goofs that they are um so that one is also great yeah also magpie also powered by the apocalypse if you want to play a superhero game for teenagers specifically masks is very good it does play like we've talked about on this channel a bunch uh on interpersonal teen drama i have a couple other ones one that we played on stream which is kids on bikes not a very difficult system. Uh, you can play kids in it, so you can play a very Goonies-esque game, keep the threats low, and just kind of keep the drama high. Very fun. Um, I have two that I've never played. One, I don't know, Jess, if you had one, but this is one that we've talked about before, and I swear is a Jess game. Jess, you will run this for the DMs After Dark. It is called Excellence. Everyone plays a princess of some type, and you're tasked with protecting Princess World it does sound like a game I would love. <laughs> Amazing. That sounds like a game we need to play, actually. <laughs> um, and then another one that I've heard very good things about, but I can't vouch for personally, is No Thank You Evil. Yes, I have heard good things oh, about yeah, that as um, And it says ages five plus. So that's probably one of the ones that you're going to find that's 
specifically de uh, designed for younger players. So, and Monty Cook is one of the designers on it. So, uh, we Adventure Max Monty is Cook also a similar. lot. There we go. Look, so if you are a DM looking to find a game or, you know, aspiring gamer or you have kids who you want to get into the imaginative space of role-playing games, we just pitched quite a few for you that you can look into and decide what is most your speed or your style. I think that um, no matter what you pick, you're going to have a great time and your kid is going to love using their imagination to play these games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all about telling stories, like you guys said. Before. Yeah, they have people from people learn from a very young age how to do that. It's uh, part of part of being human. <laughs> well, thank you everybody for joining us for another episode of Modify Roles here with DMs After Dark. As always, you can catch us on all of our social medias at DMs After Dark and download our podcasts on any podcast hosts worth their salt, as Sarah would say. Uh, we do stream alternate Fridays, so if the podcast just came out this Friday, we will be streaming the following Friday, and you can find all of the information about our streams on any of our social medias. If you'd like to contact us directly with questions, comments, or just goofy jokes, you can hit us up at dmsafterdark at gmail.com. And until we see you guys next time, stay young? <laughs> questions? <laughs> Until we see you again, maintain your childlike sense of wonder. <laughs> I was just gonna say, just clip in. We need Sarah. <laughs> I'm Sarah. Remember, folks, the family that games together stays together. <laughs> <laughs>